Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply. I'm Katie Rich, the Hollywood editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here as always with Vanity Fair's digital director, Mike Hogan. Hi, Katie. And Vanity Fair's film critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. We've gathered today to talk about the Golden Globes, which aired on Sunday night. It's Monday morning as we record this. But before we get started, there was some kind of sad pop culture news out there that we wanted to talk about first. Uh, Mike, do you want to start us off by talking about David Bowie? Yeah, you know, I woke up this morning at like 4.30 to, you know, get a glass of water and I and I couldn't resist looking at my phone and saw all the sad news about David Bowie then. And, you know, there had been some rumors that he was ill for a while, but since those rumors started, he released two albums. I, I think it's two. And it's just an absolutely towering figure. Uh, you know, Richard and I were talking before. I think he was basically the single one-man Beatles of the 70s. I remember first seeing him doing that crazy Bing Crosby little drummer boy when I was seven years old. He actually was nominated for a Golden Globe, if you can uh, wow. believe it, for the best original song for the, for the motion picture Cat People in 1982. I don't know if you guys remember Paul Schrader's Cat People uh, with Natasha Kinski, but I had forgotten that it existed. I I remember I the use knew. of that song in uh, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, and and he's been in a lot of films, obviously. David Lynch, to me, most memorably, with the title track for Lost Highway and his crazy scene with Kyle MacLachlan and David Lynch in uh, Fire Walk With Me. But lots of, lots of important Hollywood connections. Anyway, just a great artist and inspiration for everybody. So we just want to not let that go unsaid. And we can talk about the silliness of the Golden Globes now. So yeah, transitioning to the silliness of the Golden Globes, it feels uh, incredibly unrelated. Although knowing that David Bowie got a Golden Globe nomination makes me feel a little bit better about mashing these two topics together. Well, in The Martian, he had, you know, they played... That's right, Starman oh, yeah, that's was a true. big song in the market. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the Golden Globes happened, and uh, we wrote a predictions post last Friday, and uh, it was unfortunately getting traffic throughout the night because we were so wrong. We got, did we like, get... What did, how many did we get right? Oh, Hardly. Boy. I got one of my... I don't know what I got seven a, predictions right I, I, I called Gail Garcia Bernal winning for Mozart in the Jungle yeah. because that seemed like an insane thing the Globes would do but yeah our our, our predictions were well I will say that if if you looked at just what I predicted to win I looked like an idiot but <laughs> if you read the paragraphs that I wrote like almost every single one was like but this could also happen yeah. but yeah. that would be crazy and every time that actually did happen yeah. like Mozart in the Jungle won best comedy et cetera, yeah, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. you know and I so every year I have this weird like I just forget you know, every January that like the Golden Globes are kind of crazy and that you can't kind of, you know, go by conventional wisdom with these things. It's voted on by a tiny amount of people. You kind of just have to think a little more outside the box when predicting these things, I think. It it might have been uh, unpredictable because, you know, one of the things I was reflecting on after this, first of all, we were just slaughtered on our predictions, but also (laughs) some of them were pretty frustrating. Some of them I was happy about, you know, like I'm happy for Brie Larson to get it. I kind of thought Saoirse Ronan might have caught up with her, but that's fine. And I like The Revenant a lot, so Mm -hmm. I'm not even complaining about that. But it does seem like in a year where there's not real consensus in award season where you don't see somebody just winning every single award in in lockstep it gives the hfpa license to just get real freaky Mm -hmm. like this is (laughs) a small group of people and they just they do whatever the hell they want they have all kinds of weird opinions about stuff of all the predictions that we did where we you know we said this could happen to the one that we i really don't think any of us called was the revenant winning best picture i mean you wrote richard last night that no one owned gold derby predicted the revenant so we weren't the only ones who were wrong with our predictions yeah yeah so so how did this happen? What, where did this come from? 
I, you know, I, great question, right? <laughs> I mean, I think it, it you, you don't know. First of all, you don't know. There, Ricky Gervais made the joke about producers paying for the awards. Right. And I don't believe that they actually pay for the awards. But we don't know what happens in these rooms, right? It's not like a, a semi-public, at least, screening for Oscar voters where there's a few journalists and people kind of say, wow, seems like voters really like this movie. Like, they bust these voters, these Hollywood Foreign Press Association people into screening rooms and you know who knows maybe they were just all in a really revenanty mood sure. that day or maybe Inuritu has done a lot of work to you know woo them it sounded like Brie Larson has done a lot of work to woo them she kind of said at the beginning of her speech like you're such an interesting mm-hmm. great group of people I love you guys I mean <laughs> yeah. what was that the result yeah. of yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean and, the, and I think the Leo factor is kind of hard to underestimate like they've given him he's won now three Golden Globes he's won no Oscars as we all know and they like him. They want to have him in their club. And, you know, they say, oh, he made this incredible movie. I mean, it looks beautiful. It really, if you think of the Globes as being kind of the frothy award, like the Revenant is so not frothy. So that doesn't make any sense. So maybe it's the star power. But it speaks a universal physical visual language. It's, yes. you know, I mean, not that like the HFPA, they all are, you know, they can all speak very fluent English, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't require any sort of American sensibility to like that movie, even though it's very much about the beginnings of America. You know, that movie can play the same in a theater in Tokyo the way it can play in New York. You know, it, it, it's, it speaks for itself without really speaking much, frankly. I mean, like, there's not a lot of talking in it, basically. Yeah, and, it, and it is, by the way, directed by a Mexican director. Yep. And it has Tom Hardy, who's a British actor. So there's an international vibe. A lot of British actors. Yep. Yes, there's a lot some of French actors. people in it. Donald Gleeson. Yeah. And, and you know, Inuritu has worked not only in Mexico and the United States, but also in Spain. He made that movie Beautiful with Javier mm-hmm. Bardem, which I believe is set in Spain. And, yeah. you know, so, yeah, he has the, maybe a more kind of global appeal than Spotlight, which for us feels very urgent, but like we're, you know, Mike, you and I are, you know, Northeastern kind of Catholic-raised people. Yes. And so Spotlight feels very pre- sort of immediate to us. It might not to other people. Well, and also, by the way, I mean, I don't know how these folks feel about the Catholic Church. Some of them might feel like it's unfair and that right. it's beating up on the Catholic Church, you know? That's possible. So I'm looking at the history of the Golden Globes with the best drama and kind of how much they predict Oscar. And often they do, like it matches up in a lot of years. And it has a lot for the last couple of years. There's the year that Atonement beat No Country for Old Men is kind of a weird outlier. For, but for the most part, unless the best comedy winner wins, like with The Artist and Birdman, they match up. But there was this series kind of in the early aughts where they, you know, they went for The Aviator when Million Dollar Baby went on to win. And they went for Brookback Mountain when Crash went on. Crash didn't even get nominated for the Golden Globe. So wait, Globe. okay. So one of those is a Leo movie, and yeah. the other one is a big kind of sweeping Western. Yeah, thing. from an international director. Yes. Well, and also there's the sense that there's momentum in award season, and that the what wins the Oscar is often what breaks late. So that's what we were we'd been thinking about the Big Short was that that had the momentum right now, and it still very well could. And the Globes reflect an earlier phase in the award right. season where you're kind of getting what people were talking about in early December as opposed to mid-January, which is when the Oscar conversation really heats up. That's true. And Brie and, and well, certainly Brie Larson seemed like much more of a lock a month ago than she did. Yeah. And, and Kate Winslet. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. you know, the October surprise. Oh, <laughs> really. I mean, like, God. Um, you know, I just can't even. And Sorkin. I mean, that that the Steve Jobs, for whatever reason, yeah, remained kind of in people, in voters' heads. But I think that you're right, Katie, that like that's not a January conversation. That's no. definitely December. Well, and last week on this very podcast, I announced that I couldn't imagine Kate Winslet winning. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I said the same this thing. It's just very humble. I mean, our, our Joe Reed, who we had in here, he was right. He's been right since October, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that said, when I wrote my like recap of last night that went up on the site, you know, late last night, I said, I don't really see Winslet 
actually carrying this through no. to an Oscar no. win. I think this was kind of a weird anomaly. And I think that she, I mean, no one in that room was more surprised that she won than she was, I think. I mean, she was shocked. And she's won, I mean, she won at least two in one year, two Golden Globes. She did, in the yeah. year of the Reader and Revolutionary yeah. Road. So she, they yeah. love her. Yeah. Kate Winslet and Jennifer Lawrence both seemed kind of like, why did you give me this award? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we yeah. can talk about Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, that was another big surprise. That's another person who I don't think anyone actually expects to win the Oscar. And at the Globe, she was nominated in the comedy category, so she wasn't competing against Brie Larson. And we all kind of thought Amy Schumer was going to get it because they didn't do that. Yeah, and thing I don't that they know why television. we thought that because comedy is the thing that translates least. Yeah. No, but no, but across but, cultures. But in television, like they're constantly re- rewarding the ingenue. Like we did a whole sideshow of all of the young women who showed up on the radar for the first time who the Golden Globes showered with awards. They did it when they gave Andy Samberg a globe. They gave one to Gal Garcia Bernal. Like that's what they do all the time in television. And Amy Schumer seemed like the perfect chance to do it in movies. Well, I think I mean, look, I don't I don't know this for sure, but my my guess would be something about. You know, the the HFPA being sort of notoriously wanting to have the big stars come to their party. And in TV, they have a little bit more leeway to kind of mess around because, you know, it, th- these aren't movie stars we're talking about. But if you want Jennifer Lawrence to come and keep coming, like maybe their the thinking is, well, let's give her this award for, for joy. You know? It certainly feels like classic HFPA. The, the rap against them is if there's a big movie star, they're going to reward them because, yeah, yeah they want to be liked by these people. They want them to come to their party. That did feel a little bit like that with, in the case of Jennifer Lawrence and maybe even Kate Winslet, let's face it. But it's a shame with that comedy. Win. I mean, I mean, you know, look, Jennifer Lawrence is very good in joy. Like, you know, it's yeah. it was a worthy win. But here was a year where they had an opportunity to really reward an actual comedic performance. You know, I mean, like Amy Schumer in Trainwreck or, you know, that was like, or, or Melissa McCarthy yeah. in Spy. Like, these were like big, funny performances in real, you know, ob- objectively speaking, comedies. Yeah, if they don't um, want to reward comedies, why do they have the category? Are they hoping people right. make more musicals? They want to <laughs> yeah, double yeah, I think, up the number I think they, they want to double up nominees, and I think that they are hoping for more musicals. Honestly. Yeah, Hail yeah. Caesar. I don't even know if Hail Caesar has more than Channing Tatum dancing in that one scene, but it's going to be a comedy musical nominee next year. Oh, it already won, yeah. yeah, I think, I yeah. <laughs> so we've talked about a lot of the really weirdo wins, but there, I think there were a couple that do sell us some, tell us something about the Oscars. The Oscar nominations come out on Thursday, so and the voting has finished, so none of that can actually affect what will get nominated. But I think the standing ovations that both Leonardo DiCaprio and Sylvester Stallone got are really yeah. interesting to watch. Yeah, the Stallone ovation, I was like, oh, he won the Oscar, I think. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think he got yeah. nominated, though. And it was not because, you know, the, the HFPA and the Academy are very different voting bodies, obviously. But the people giving him a standing ovation were industry people. They yes. were actors, they were producers, they were directors who have a big voting block in the Academy. And I, I don't know, I, I, I kind of felt like that was the beginning of a, of a nice run for Sloan. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think, I mean, this it's got everything, right? Because yeah. you get to reward somebody for a, a great career. You get to reward someone for a character that's made however many billions of dollars. He has the great story of of saying, you know, I didn't want to make this movie. I was done with this character, but this young man came to me and we reinvented it, you know, in a multicultural way. And Stallone is actually, you know, great in a room. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. a cool dude. Well, you forget and how... He's not actually like Rocky. He's yeah. not some dumbass, you he's know? He's so well-spoken, such yeah. a thoughtful guy. And, and he's been working forever. He yeah. knows everyone. Yeah, he knows everybody. Right. He's been on a great run of interviews and press appearances. You know, I don't know. I think that, like, he's... I don't think he's really playing the game in the way that other people do. But if he is, he's played it very well. Well, and, and for all the people who are making schlocky movies 
and thinking to themselves, you know, if I ever really had the chance, I could make great art. Like, it's an inspiring thing for those people. And right. those people are in the industry, right? Most right. people in the industry are making, like, not great movies for box office. And Stallone did a lot of that. And he's been candid about it, saying I probably did too much of it. And here he is with this great chance. to, And it's a beautiful performance. It really is a special performance. Yeah, so. I mean, Matt Damon told that story at the National Board of Review last week where Stallone inspired him when they were making Goodwill Hunting to hang on to having that starring role. I mean, I think a lot of people have that story. There's the Rocky version of it where you follow your passion project and get an Oscar for it. And then the, you know, coming back from the brink of making bad movies. So he's had such a long career. He can kind of inspire people on either end. But Mm -hmm. do we feel confident he'll be nominated for the Oscars? I do. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He didn't get a SAG nomination. Is that right? I think that's what the uncertainty is. He hasn't shown up everywhere enough. To make it seem like he's alive. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it is true that the ballots were already in, so the, whatever standing ovation, yeah. you know, or win he got last night doesn't really affect that. I would say if he is nominated, I think it's his to lose. Yeah, but, he's the only yeah. one in that category with a narrative that you can right. see. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like supporting actor. There's a lot of great performances in there, mm-hmm. but there's not really anyone clamoring for an award. And it doesn't, I mean, f- you know, like it seemed a month or two ago, it doesn't really seem like the spotlight guys are going to pose much of a threat anymore. I mean, they didn't win anything last night. They were nominated last night, though. The actors weren't. But what looked like maybe a kind of joust between Mark Ruffalo and Michael Keaton, that doesn't seem to have panned out um, as a story. So Yeah, I think if one of them gets in, I mean, I said this about Michael yeah. Keaton last week, that if Michael Keaton got in, he could easily win. It could yeah. be a really interesting contest between Keaton and Stallone. Keaton and Stallone could be very yeah. interesting. If, they, if yeah. they both get nominated, which neither of them could. It's such a crazy yes. year. But yeah. the one certainty we do have now in what has felt like such an uncertain year is Leo. Like now it yep. seems crazy That's that we ever thought yeah. that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. That's happening. Yeah. I mean, I I was a little bit, I mean, maybe I'm too cynical about these things, but, you know, when he got the standing ovation last night, I was like, really? Like, he's 41. He's He's not like, he's He's not over the hill. Yeah. I mean, look, that's great that everyone loves him. I thought that it was nice that he got some sort of political messaging into his speech. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, it wasn't maybe the most elegantly done political messaging, but like, it was good that he was thinking about something beyond just sort of that moment. You know, you know, obviously the room liked him. I don't really see that. Um, so he's probably a lot, but what about Brie Larson? I mean, do we think that that, that... I think that's still a contest. Yeah. Like between a, who? Her and Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan, okay. And, I mean, Kate Blanchett's going to stay in there, you know? People yeah. love Kate Blanchett. Yeah. I, mean, I think the fact that she won two years ago, I've, I've said this for a while, like means she's much less likely winner. If she hadn't won for Blue Jasmine, this would be locked up already. So I think the three of them, and then, you know, who knows who's going to get those other two slots? That's the other big question. I think you have to give Brie an advantage after last night. Yes. She looked great. She did a great speech. She just, like, she had the aura of a winner. Mm -hmm. Um, She was dressed in gold. Yeah. It it was a momentum builder, I think, and and probably needed, given what we were starting to see or thought we saw in terms of Saoirse picking up momentum. But I don't know. I still think it is a race. And I think also producers really like cutting to Jacob Tremblay. When yeah. she wins things, because he's this cute That's kid, the he little was, kid. Yeah, oh, he God. was he was standing on his chair, and it was very cute. But um, there was a picture. Of, so yeah, on the E red carpet, he told Juliana Reinsick about how Oscar Isaac is his favorite Star Wars character, and there's a picture of him and Oscar Isaac on like the HBO red carpet meeting each other. And of course, all I could think was like, "This is an eight year old. It's 11 p.m. Go home." But right. <laughs> Well, it was not a, it on the one 11. hand, it's okay. amazingly cool. On the other hand, it's like yeah, a little bit weird. Yeah, go, <laughs> go to school. Yeah. Any any other locks that you guys see? Any other uh, Oscar tea leaves to read from last night? I mean, no, inside Out one. I, I guess that's well, Inside a, Out. Yes, okay. Inside Out is a lock for sure. Oh, uh, any Morricone. I was the uh, I've been the one who's been beating that drum last week. That's that's got to happen now, right? That's gonna happen. I think. I, I yeah. mean, okay, but why wasn't he there? Is he just sick? He's, He's old. 
I know. He was at, wasn't he at the New York Film Critics Circle? No. Or, oh, um, he wasn't there. Sam Jackson read a letter Yeah, that's from right. Him. He wasn't yeah. there. Oh, no, he's not. I think he's working. I think he's in Europe working. Does anyone want to see Quentin Tarantino get up again no. at the Oscars and oh, do that and again? Oh, how, and how about how he stood up and said Ennio Morricone has never won an individual award for his work when he's won two Golden Globes before. What he meant is he's never won a competitive Oscar. But he couldn't but say that at the Golden Globes. He couldn't Globes. say that at the Golden Globes. And Globe never won an actually legitimate award yeah. <laughs> that is recognized yeah, as that valuable. Yeah, that was some interesting truth ending right there. No, no one wants to see Quentin Tarantino accept another award, but Ennio Morricone doesn't have a competitive Oscar, which is crazy. Speaking of music, again to sound cynical, are we going to have to deal with Sam Smith at the Oscars? Is that... Although I don't know what the song... I mean, is the Wiz Khalifa song better? Like, there's not... I, that so- I cried at that song, so yes. <laughs> it is. That Fast and Furious song is better. It would actually um, be amazing. There's no way the Wiz Khalifa song would beat Sam Smith at the Oscars, but it would be It would incredible. be quite yeah. something. Well, hey, 3 Six Mafia won that one year. You, the, every That's now true. and then... Uh, yeah, but that was song was had was much classier than the... I mean, Furious 7 was just like a schmaltz fest. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> I'm, so the crazy thing about Sam Smith is that before Skyfall, no Bond song had ever won the Oscar I mean, for best song. Like, this is Adele's fault. Adele cleared the path, and now we just have to deal they, with it. What did they give when Adele was up? Who got it over Adele? No, she won. She was the first she one. Was the first that was the first Bond, Bond song, song to win. Oh, okay. Song. So now it's no, like, nothing now they all have to win. Now Bond and has to win We've had this year. great run. Like, we had Let It Go, and I think Let It Go beat Happy. They were nominated the same year, and Skyfall. Like, we've had great movie songs for a couple of years, and now it's just like, it, You know what? Yeah. It's true that there's just not, like, an amazing yeah. song. I just would have given it to Brian Wilson. I would have loved to see Love and Mercy take something, anything. Yeah. yeah. And Brian Wilson being one of the greatest songwriters of our era. But, and love and, and the Golden the Globes were probably Love and Mercy's better shot, I would think, than than c- compared to I the believe, Oscars. I believe yeah. we but. predicted it in another one of our. <laughs> well, that was me. Our, yeah, that was me. I thought that the sentimental vote would go. Uh, what what do I know? I was yeah. so happy you did that. I listened to the scores on Spotify of The Revenant and I uh, mean you know, of um well a bunch of stuff, but of Hateful Eight and Carol, and I'm gonna say I think the Carol score is just better. Carol's great. It's beautiful. Yeah. And. I think that I also thought it was a little bit weird and maybe this doesn't bother anybody, but there's a lot of dialogue with a lot of white people saying the N-word on On the the soundtrack. soundtrack. You know how Quentin has always done that, right? right? And I remember being in college and we're listening to like the Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction soundtracks and how cool that was. And there's dialogue built in. Now it's yeah. like a little bit of, okay, we get it. But yeah, there's like a lot of white guys saying the N-word in the middle of these like Ennio Morricone scores. I, right. I don't know. That's that little, seemed yeah. like problematic to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, on the Carol topic, Carter Burwell, the composer for Carol, yeah. has never been nominated for an Oscar, much less won. Well, so. that's crazy. I mean, and how old is he? He's in his 50s, not I think. Not as old as any I mean, he's worked party. on all the Coen Brothers movies, practically. Like, yeah. he's been around forever. There so. is yeah. a funny thing about these things, if you listen to them on Spotify or your streaming thing of choice, which is that it's basically one, basically, the job is to write one earworm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then like vary it for two hours. So it's, they're not really super satisfying to listen to as a whole. Right. You know, which but probably yeah. no one else does. When I I'm listen, probably the only person who's ever done this. No, I've been to listening scores, to the Star Wars one. It's, I actually yeah. really like it. I usually listen to one. one like the central piece of music or whatever. Yeah. Or like the, the Thomas Newman score from The Help, the last song on, on that soundtrack. Which I, 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 really like, like, I love but, Thomas yeah, Newman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right, Mike. Like to listen to it front to end, like it's, it's, it starts to be like, okay. You're like, I get it. Yeah. So do you guys want to make any bold predictions for Thursday after all of this? I mean, the thing about the Golden Globes is that it doesn't tell us anything about what the industry is thinking in terms of who they nominated or who won. 
but it only tell like we were talking about it, the standing ovations and response in the room tell us something, but that doesn't affect the nominations. So they are kind of operating in separate you know bubbles. Um, I'm still I, I don't know why I'm still holding out this belief, but I still think that Charlotte Rampling will sneak in and get a Best Actress nomination for 45 years. I think, you know, we've t- I've talked about it before on the podcast. I've written about it. You know, Marion Cotillard pulled off the same thing a couple years ago, or last year, was it? Last year. Last year with um, getting nominated for Two Days, One Night, having, having not been nominated for a SAG or a Golden Globe. I just think that performance in that movie is so, st- they're, they're so strong, and to not get any sort of recognition from the Academy, I just don't see that happening. But, I mean, you know, as... <laughs> My predictions last night proved I don't always know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> I think it's a very valid thing to predict. Best Actress remains super competitive. Last night, Rooney Mara and Alicia Vikander were both in the lead actress category where they probably won't be at the Oscars, but yeah. no one really knows. They're still being campaigned to supporting, but the Oscars have gone their own way in the past. So Well, and Charlotte Rampling feels like one of those moves where the Oscars can be like, okay, now the real awards are here and uh-huh, we'll award uh-huh. real acting. We but, don't give awards to Lady Gaga in this house. We're gonna Yeah, <laughs> which I mean is not my favorite thing about the Oscars, but they tend to sort of do that. And for that reason too, in a way, I think in I still think the big short is going to do well. I think that it's a it's a rare opportunity for Oscar to be like, hey, we're more relevant than the Globes. You guys gave it to this, you know, crazy old Western, and we're going to actually take on, like, the financial crisis? I don't know. Well, and The Big yeah. Short had one big chance to win at the Golden Globes, which was beating The Martian, and The Martian won. And that, yeah. I mean, yeah. and that seemed to make sense. I mean, Christian Bale and Steve Crow both nominated, but how do you choose between the two of them? Like, that's really the only instance that we saw of The Big Short not having that momentum. But I don't think that tells us much. And I think also something we haven't talked about yet is that the BAFTA nominations came out mm-hmm. late last week, and they are always pretty closely in step with the Oscars and the big short came came up big you know and and for an American you know movie about um, the American economy I mean obviously there were global implications of it like to do that well with a British voting body like that's a good sign I think for that movie yeah and uh, also another thing that did well at BAFTAs was Bridge of Spies mm, they got yeah. a ton of nominations so that's kind of interesting to see because that didn't really have much of a presence at um, at the Globes but you know to see yeah it. I think there is a lot of enthusiasm out there for, for Bridge of Spies and I still think Mark Rylance is a, is a threat uh, to I would like him to be well. yeah. so now we're saying that the supporting actor category is suddenly the most interesting that's uh, that's fun well I would say this is the most up in the year, air year yes. in general that we've had in a while so it's you know so every, it every really time, is. Every time I think about a different category, it's like, oh, wait, maybe that one is the mm-hmm. hardest to predict, you know? Yeah, Best Actor, I think, is the only it's one the, yeah. that anyone feels that confident about. Uh, it, like, including, yeah. like, screenplays, like, or cinematography. Like, it's really out there. And we'll get some more guilds voting in the next couple of weeks. Like, the DGA nominations will come out, the PGA awards, the art directors, all that kind of stuff. So we'll get some clarity in the next couple of weeks that maybe by Oscar night we'll know a lot more. I spoke to a SAG voter last night, and he told me that he is voting for Searsha. So he was, I think maybe there'll be some actor groundswell for her. But. Yeah, well, the SAGs aren't until January 30th, so we've got a bit of a award show break. But. Well, again, remember last last time we were talking about Saoirse versus Brie and this question of wanting to see the movie. And if there's 80-ish Golden Globes voters, you can expect that pretty much all of them saw all the movies or at least all the big movies. But when you've got 6,000 people voting in the end on who's going to win, I think there's a lot more of that stuff of like, oh, I don't know if I want to see Room versus like Brooklyn was a really fun thing to watch with the family. So we'll see. On the other hand, I think that Oscar voters absolutely submit votes for movies that they didn't see. Oh, yeah. And if they they get it in their head that like, 
it's it's Breeze. That's the great performance. They have to vote for her. They'll they'll do it. So. Oh, we'll we'll pull how many people actually see The Revenant before voting for Leonardo DiCaprio for Best Actor. Like that's. <laughs> I mean, if you get the yes. sense that that's going to happen no matter what, like that is such an easy vote to cast yeah. without having to watch two and a half hours of Wilderness. I mean, it, yeah, it's Leo's year. That's all you need to really say. You okay. hear that a lot. Listen, hopefully, may he and Kate Winslet reunited award shows yeah. between now and Kingdom Comes. It's so good for our traffic, so we can sure. all stay employed. <laughs> it, it's Leo's year. We're just living in it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that does it for uh, this special edition of Little Gold Men. We'll be back on Thursday with a full episode, including reactions to the Oscar nominations. It's a big week. Uh, In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Uh, You can find us all writing about award season at VanityFair.com or follow us on Twitter. I'm at Katie Rich. Mike? Mike underscore Hogan. And Richard? Rylaws, R-I-L-A-W-S. And we're all at the quiet but uh, still tended Twitter feed, Little Gold Men, (laughs) where you can uh, find new episodes and talk to us and all that kind of stuff. This episode was produced by Sam Dingman and edited by Tim Einenkel. And thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Uh, Don't forget to find us, review us, and subscribe on iTunes. And find us along with many more great podcasts at panoply.fm. 